The following CME activity features content presented by expert faculty. These excerpts are part of a certified educational activity titled First Line Options for Advanced EGFR Mutant and SCLC, Applying Lessons from the Literature to Practice. To access the entire activity and complete the post-test, please go online to www.peercme.com forward slash WFG. A printable transcript, slides, and other features are also available. This activity is supported by an educational grant from AstraZeneca. Hello, this is Dr. Suresh Ramalingam from Winship Cancer Institute of Emory University School of Medicine in Atlanta, Georgia, United States. Welcome to this activity on current and emerging treatment strategies in the first-line setting for EGFR mutant non-small cell lung cancer. Lung adenocarcinoma is no longer considered one disease. There is very wide molecular heterogeneity, and we now know that the optimal treatment for a patient with a driver mutation should be appropriate targeted therapy when one is available. More specifically, within the EGFR-mutated non-small cell lung cancer, we have now three generations of EGFR inhibitors and two lines of therapy for EGFR inhibition that are now available for our patients. How do we best use these agents to optimize and lengthen the outcome for our patients? That is the key question we all have to answer in our clinics. Even within patients with EGFR mutation, there are differences across their subsets. EGFR exon 19 and exon 21 mutations account for nearly 85% of all EGFR mutations. The other 15% include patients with exon 20 insertions and a few other mutations which we refer to as uncommon mutations. For patients with exon 20 insertions, there are no approved options and EGFR TKIs are not recommended as frontline therapy. For patients with the uncommon mutations that you see in the smaller subsets, afatinib is an FDA-approved drug, and we're learning more about how osimertinib acts in this subset of patients. Now, what I'm going to discuss for the rest of this presentation specifically focuses on exon 19 and 21 mutations. For this subset of patients, we have three generations of EGFR inhibitors. Erlognib and gefitinib are reversible inhibitors. Afatinib and decumitinib are irreversible inhibitors. And most recently, osimertinib has been approved. It's an irreversible inhibitor. The main difference we should keep in mind is that osimertinib is highly selective for the mutated receptor and does not have much of an effect in the wild-type EGFR receptor, which differentiates this from the first and second generation drugs. We now have different therapeutic approaches one could pursue for treatment of EGFR-mutated patients in the frontline setting. I'm going to make the case that osimertinib is best suited for frontline therapy based on randomized clinical trials that show superiority over erlotinib and gefitinib, better safety profile, better CNS profile, and also a favorable survival trend. There are a few other options, decomitinib and afatinib, the second-generation drugs, are potential options, though they have not been compared head-to-head -head with osimertinib. Erlotinib and bevacizumab is a combination where we've seen some improved PFS, but there hasn't been any clear impact on overall survival. Now, I want to briefly discuss the results of the FLORA study, the largest study conducted for patients with EGFR mutation. This was a head-to-head -head comparison of osimertinib to either gefitinib or erlotinib. 
The median PFS was 18.9 months for osimertinib compared to 10.2 months for the standard of care group. And as you can see from the Kaplan-Meier curve, the curve separated very early on and remained separated throughout the course of follow-up. This translates into a 54% reduction in the risk of progression when patients receive osimertinib therapy. The survival results from the FLORA study are not mature, but even at a low level of maturity, one sees that there is a very promising overall survival trend favoring the use of osimertinib. I would say that there is some renewed interest in looking at TKI plus chemotherapy. There is some emerging evidence that gefitinib in combination with carboplatin and pemetrexate may be associated with favorable efficacy. We only have one study that has shown this trend at this point, the Japanese NEJ009 trial, which included about 350 patients. In this trial, the median progression-free survival for gefitinib alone was about 11 months, and for the combination of gefitinib plus chemo, it was 21 months. There was a favorable survival trend also for the combination, though the differences did not reach statistical significance. One, however, has to keep in mind that the combination has more toxicities. Neutropenia, anemia, thrombocytopenia all occur at a higher frequency when EGFR-TKI is given in combination with chemotherapy. I would characterize these results as interesting and need further testing in prospective trials with both gefitinib and other targeted agents against EGFR. At this point, I would not recommend the combination of chemotherapy and an EGFR-TKI for routine clinical practice outside the setting of a clinical trial. Another question I want to address is, how does immunotherapy fit in in patients with EGFR-mutated non-small cell lung cancer? We know that PD-1 and PD-L1 inhibitors are effective in the treatment of advanced stage non-small cell lung cancer. However, that does not seem to apply to patients with EGFR-mutated lung cancer. I say this based on the meta-analysis of randomized phase 3 trials conducted in the second-line setting that compared chemotherapy to PD-1 inhibition. Across these trials, for patients who have EGFR wild-type disease, there is clear superiority for PD-1 inhibition compared to chemotherapy. However, for EGFR-mutated patients, here the outcomes favor chemotherapy over immune checkpoint inhibition. This is likely because the overall tumor mutation burden and PDL1 expression are lower in patients with EGFR mutation. Having said that, there is a small study that tried to address the question of giving pembrolizumab for first line therapy in patients with EGFR mutated non small cell lung cancer. These patients were selected based on high PDL1 expression. There were zero responses when patients got pembrolizumab instead of EGFR inhibition despite having high PDL1 expression. So the study was closed for futility and therefore first-line pembrolizumab or another PD1 PDL1 inhibitor is not recommended in a patient with EGFR mutation even if the PDL1 expression is as high as 100%. What about when patients progress on tyrosine kinase inhibitors? and have no other targeted options available. Is there a role for immunotherapy? There was a phase three trial called the Empower 150 study that documented that when patients received carboplatin, paclitaxel, atezolizumab, a PD-L1 inhibitor, and bevacizumab, the four-drug regimen had a favorable outcomes, both PFS and survival trend for patients with EGFR mutation. 
However, these are patients who progressed on standard targeted therapy and should not be considered as a frontline option. So in our clinic, after patients receive targeted drugs, when we run out of these options, we would consider the use of chemotherapy as the standard approach and perhaps chemo plus PD-1 or PD-L1 inhibition as part of a clinical trial. Finally, what are the mechanisms of resistance when patients receive first-line osimertinib? We presented some of these early results from the FLORA study at the ESMO conference. What we noted was when we followed the patients for plasma ctDNA profiling, there was no case of acquired T790M resistance, which is a key point because osimertinib acts by blocking EGFR exon 19, exon 21, and T790 mechanism. So biologically, we are completely shutting off the most common escape mechanism. The two most common resistance mechanisms were metamplification and EGFR C797S mutation. And there are a slew of other less common mutations. So this is an early area of evolution of knowledge. So with the availability of these agents, how do we sequence the treatments? Well, if one started with the first or second generation EGFR tyrosine kinase inhibition as first-line therapy, we should be aware of the fact that only about 50 to 60% of these patients will develop T790. And we also know that 60 to 70% of the patients will only be able to receive second-line therapy. The other 30 to 40% develop aggressive disease, brain metastases, or decline in performance status. So when you start with the first or second generation drug, the likelihood of moving on to second line osimertinib will only happen in about 30 or 40% of the patients. When you give osimertinib as frontline therapy, we're able to impact a larger group of patients and have a median PFS of approximately 19 months, which is almost two-fold higher than what one sees with erlotinib or jafetinib. And when patients progress on osimertinib, we then move on to chemotherapy. So giving osimertinib as frontline therapy is now a recommended approach. Finally, when one looks at workup of a patient with advanced stage non-small cell lung cancer, it is important to remember that molecular testing is critical, looking for driver events for which there are approved targeted treatments for every patient with non-squamous non-small cell lung cancer who has stage 4 disease. We also look at pdl one expression and use that only for patients who don't have a driver mutation with treatable targets. The merits of using a first versus second versus third generation inhibitor will continue to be a clinical question. Clinicians need to consider how to optimize use of the available agents to provide the best chance of long-term survival, which is the ultimate goal for treatment of patients. Keep in mind, best treatment approaches and for a patient with a targetable mutation, frontline therapy with targeted approaches is critical. Thank you very much for your attention. Hello, this is Dr. Marina Garassino. I am the chief of the Thoracic Oncology in Istituto Nazionale dei Tumori in Milano, Italy. Welcome to this activity on EGFR mutant nosmore cell lung cancer. The good news is that we have now multiple options for patients with EGFR mutations, which are 10% in the Western countries, but they represent about 40% of the patients in the Asian population. So we can decide also with the patients to select the right strategy as you can see here, compared with the doublet, all the trials were positive in terms of progression-free survival in favor of the EGFR tyrosine kinase inhibitors. 
There was no survival difference among gefitinib, erlotinib and afatinib because the majority of the patients crossed to the experimental arm after the chemotherapy. From 2009, with the IPAS, which was the first trial comparing gefitinib to chemotherapy to the Luxlang 7 with afatinib, we had a plateau of all these drugs with a progression-free survival ranging from 9 months to about 11 months. But as you can see, in the last two years, there was an improvement of the progression-free survival with the new drugs. The dacomitinib, that was 14.7 in the Archer trial, and also 18.9 months for osimertinib in the FLORA trial. So let's have a look of the new drugs, in particular osimertinib and daconitinib, that entered in the clinical practice. The Archer trial is a direct comparison between dacomitinib and gefitinib. The trial was done mainly in the Asia population. There was only few patients treated in the Western countries. It is important because no CNS metastases were included. So although this is the secondary endpoint of the trial, you can see that in, for daconitinib there is an increase of the survival compared to gefitinib, which is statistically significant. The probability to be alive at 30 months, so about 3 years, is 46.3% for gefitinib and 56.2% for dacomitinib. Most importantly, the CNS metastases at progression are less in the dacomitinib compared to gefitinib. So there is also a potential preventive effect of dacomitinib, but we do not have a very clear idea on the activity of dacomitinib for the Western population and also for the CNS metastases. We have to treat these patients for several years, so also the toxicity of this kind of drugs is really important. And we know from the first and the second generation tyrosine kinase inhibitors that there are clearly differences. In the case of gefitinib, we have less diarrhea and we have less rash, while if we move to afatinib and daconitinib, the rash can be a problem. Diarrhea is very frequent for this kind of patients, but we have also some different types of toxicities such as the stomatitis and also paronychia that although they have no very high grade, they can impair the quality of life. If we look to the safety profile of the Archer trial, grade 3 adverse events are different from dacomitinib to gefitinib, but 66.5% of these patients had dacomitinib dose modifications compared just to 8% to gefitinib. And we don't know the outcomes of the patients who have a decrease of the dosage of dacomitinib. Here you have the FLORA trial, safety profiles of osimertinib compared to the standard of care. 
graded treat toxicity is more or less the same of gefitinib and erlotinib. The rush is much better compared to the standard of care and there are only very rare elevation of the transaminase. More important is that the dose reduction due to the adverse events were very rare. So the drug is clearly very well tolerated. We know that patients with EGFR mutation have more brain metastasis compared to the wild-type population. This can be due to two factors. They can live longer, so potentially they can have more brain metastasis. But it is possible that also EGFR mutations can create brain metastasis. So it is also important to scan these patients all with the CT scan or the MRI to see if they have or not brain metastasis. We know also that the first and second generation tyrosine kinase inhibitor are active on brain metastasis. This is also clear from some subgroup analysis of the Lux-Lang trials. Afatinib have some efficacy compared to the chemotherapy in patients with and without brain metastasis in the FLORA trial. Ozimertinib was given up front and patient could be enrolled with the stable CNS metastasis, very different from the Archer trial. It is also important to underline that there was a very early amendment after the beginning of the trial which allowed patients to go in the ozimertinib arm if they were in the standard of care subgroup and they had T790M mutation. So this is more or less a sort of comparisons of two strategies to give ozimertinib up front compared to give gefitinib and then ozimertinib as a second line. What, uh, in uh, my opinion, uh, is interesting is that having said that all the tyrosine kinase inhibitors uh, are active in brain metastasis, the cumulative incidence of brain metastasis is lower in patients treated with ozimertinib up front compared to the standard of care of gefitinib. As you can see here, complete remissions in patients treated with ozimertinib are more frequent compared to the standard of care. And this could represent an important point because we can discuss case by case with our radiation oncologist if to go immediately with the radiotherapy or to start with ozimertinib and decide to postpone the radiotherapy so I think that in 2018, we have multiple options to treat our patients. And I think that we have to provide the balance between the toxicity of the drugs and also to the long-term survival, the prevention effect of the intracranial activity of the new drug on the brain metastasis. And finally, I think that it is also important to define the patient preference and discuss patient by patient what type of the drugs that they want to have for at least about one or two years of their life or potentially more. We have another problem. We know that the rare mutations represent about 6 or 7% of all the EGFR mutations. 
we know from uh, very small case series uh, or uh, afatinib that uh, we have uh, some activating mutations here depicted uh, in the pink uh, columns and uh, we have uh, some uh, insertions in the exon 20 activating and not uh, activating and then we have also the possibility to have a de novo T790M mutation which is uh, quite rare. So to treat this kind of patients sometimes is really challenging we have some data from Ozimertinib, which has this small trial for patients with EGFR mutation different from exon 19 and 20. As you can see, it is interesting because about 51% of this population responded to ozimertinib and a very large number of these patients had stable disease as the best response and only four cases had a progression disease. So for patients with rare AGFR mutations, this can be an interesting option. So, in summary, in 2018, we have multiple options for the treatment of nosmal cell lung cancer with EGFR mutations. All the drugs have different toxicity profile, and we have to balance the progression-free survival with the toxicity and the quality of life. And we have to remember the problem of the CNS metastasis, which is huge and very important for the life expectancies of the Thank you for your attention. Thank you for participating in this peer CME educational activity. To obtain your CME certificate, complete the required post-test and evaluation form.